Climber, should you move to Nashville? And should you decide to move to Nashville, what should you do when you get there? We're going to talk about that today on The Climb. So listen up, Johnny, do that thing that you should do. <laughs> Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Found a thing that I went with it. Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you Create leverage in the music business. Did you catch that? Create leverage in the music business. C-L-I-M-B. What? It's like we thought about that in advance. It's like we thought about everything. That's a backstrom from a good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in Southern Gospel in the last few years. Got a top 10 in the last couple months in Australia. The boys nationwide, worldwide, worldwide. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Brent is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he connects you with the pros. So it's just a step ladder. There's a, there's a, you don't even, you, you can see all the steps in faith on this one. So it's different than the, the Martin Luther King quote, right? <laughs> you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's, it's complicated, but Johnny has the big old brain holding up all that hair. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. Hey, buddy. Hey, anyone ever come up to you and say, there is no other Johnny D? I get that a lot, actually. Yeah, I like, like that. Like when I run into climbers and stuff, they'll say that. Can I buy you a drink? Because there is no other Johnny D. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much fun. If I freaking have t-shirts that say that. <laughs> there we go. I was up in uh, Bethesda, Maryland uh, this past weekend. For oh, yeah, the- how'd that go? It was, it was a lot of fun. It was the Bernard Ebb songwriting contest. So they brought me up there to be one of the judges. So I got to be... Like we did like American Idol style. It was in the Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club, which is a really cool venue. Mm-hmm. I got the tables in the front. Then you got the stadium seating up above or whatever, like nice club. And so we're right there, the three judges. It was like a theater writer, a professor and musician from Berkeley and me. And so they sing and do their write, play their songs. And then we do the American Idol thing, mm-hmm. give our feedback. Then we got to pick the winners and that kind of stuff. And so that was just kind of fun. That was just kind of fun. I was underdressed as I usually am because I, I was like, I didn't get the memo. This was this nice. Okay, here we go. I was with my <laughs> big white right hat on, you know. But you represent the country songwriter, the country hit songwriter. And so I feel like you had the right costume on. So, yeah, it's <laughs> like a costume. So it's funny because you lean into it going, now in Nashville, we have a saying, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, just lean into it. I'm going to be that guy, which is fun because it's the judging is its own kind of performance. But anyway, one of the really cool things was I like I ran into, I'm not sure if she's a climber, if you're a climber, holler at us, but a member of Songwriting Pro Community. Oh, cool. And it's like, I got to run into people up in like Bethesda, you know, Maryland. Like how much am I in Maryland? Like almost never. But it was still fun running. Of course, you know, in Nashville. But you're there on the podcast every every week. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, just really cool. Just really cool to run into people. And over the past week, run into the climbers and all that good stuff. Good times. Right on. So today we're going to talk about moving to Nashville. We are going to talk about moving to Nashville. So this is the 22nd 
in a series from Steve Leslie, <laughs> I feel like. This is, I'm still digging out from that massive article of his called Songwriting in Nashville, 1992. To oh, I thought that was a three-parter. It's a four-parter now? Apparently it's a four. I, th- I think this is the last one. Okay. I think this is the last one, Steve, but thank you. Uh, but it's so good. And Steve, not for nothing, they've been doing really well. Like <laughs> <laughs> It's good stuff. I'm like, Steve, I read it. I was like, Steve just did my show prep for like two months. But yeah, this was posted on Indie Music Academy. So the the writer is Steve Leslie, hit songwriter, just great songwriter and teacher and stuff. So we're just going to dig into what you should do if you should you move to Nashville. Awesome. All right. So yeah, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Before we do that, let's take care of a little business. Join the Climb community on Facebook if you haven't done so. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. You got to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. And then just put everything in the right place, man. There's only three rules. We don't like rules. We're artists. Mm-hmm. We're bohemian. We don't need a lot of rules. We can govern ourselves until the one idiot shows up who wants to spam a bunch of crap in the feed. Don't do it. Yeah. If you do that, we know you don't listen to the podcast. And I just, honestly, I don't even ask any, I don't even think I'm reprimanding people anymore. I'm just like, you're out, you're out, you're out. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> if you did listen to the podcast, then you didn't hear it. And that's okay too. And it's just like yeah. bananas. But listen, that's how much we love our climb community. Like we protect it fiercely. So there's no BS in there. And it's just all like good stuff. It's all jam, no spam, right? That is right. So one of the places on Wednesday we have is for you to put your wins. I mean, we, we got a place for you to talk about gigs, a place for you to show you new music. And then we talk about the wins, like, you know, in your career. And so let's hear some, let's hear some wins. Well, I got to find it because I forgot to look it up beforehand. So I'm scrolling through the feed right now. What a beautiful feed it is. Oh, I got it though. So there you go. Well, I can talk about like a great, did, did you see the response I gave Jay Stott like, on that thing? Uh, no, I'm not sure yet. So he asked, Oh, oh he asked the question about marketing, right? Yeah, like if I'm if I'm running digital ads to Spotify, like how is it just asking like what what should that look like? Like how many yeah. for amount of money I spend, how many streams should I get? And I was like, I wouldn't do that directly. Yeah. I wouldn't do the promo that way. You want to promote the videos, right? So they see you and they can yeah. interact with you and and all that kind of stuff. So I said you're promoting indirectly because you can tell them to go to Spotify. Yeah. In those. But well and if it's like a video on YouTube? Yeah, or or in paid traffic that you're pushing out, like a video ad that essentially you're pushing out yeah. with a hook on a song or, I mean, you, you want to promote the song. And I just had to remind them that Spotify is, it's a distributor. And so that's where, where people are going to go to consume your music and marketing is the why. So it's kind of like telling somebody to, to go to Walmart for you. And you're like, what for? And you're like, just go to Walmart. <laughs> right. It's kind of like that, right? Because they haven't yeah. heard the song yet. They're not attached to it. They don't know right. who the artist is. They're completely unfamiliar with everything, but you let, yet you want them to go there and get something, right? Yeah. And so you really want to do the marketing and then they'll go their damn selves and make that happen. So I kind of laid that out for them. I thought hopefully that I haven't seen a response yet. Yeah. See good stuff in the climb community. We don't spam, we jam. And speaking of jamming, every Wednesday we have our new heights post. And that's where we encourage you, request that you share some of your music-related wins with us so we can celebrate. We know where the party is, and we can come in, join the party, and celebrate with you. Mm -hmm. So a couple of those, we have more, obviously, and every time, which I'm happy about. We have more than we have time to share. But the first one is Will Gunnell Music says, Might have a taker on my song, Drink, Drink, Drunk. Nice. Uh, Conjugation song. 
which uh, it's funny. I've written that same title with Anthony Oreo. Will, I hope you wrote it better than Anthony and I did because ours just wasn't great. So I'm assuming <laughs> you might have to take her on at yours. Than mine. <laughs> the conjugation song. Conjugation. <laughs> yes. That sounds dirty, but it's not. It's, it's no, grammar. <laughs> it is grammar. Yeah, I gave dirty looks to my teacher, Mrs. Edwards, when she had us do conjugations back in like third grade or fourth grade. So, <laughs> all right, let's see here. Uh, Brian Mullen, I think, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, says, I'm way behind some of you, but my socials are slowly growing after I started them a couple weeks ago. Starting to get two other songs I've written performance ready and things are moving along. So I'm happy about that. My wife dropped another single and seems to be doing well on Spotify. It's doing exactly what we want it to do with her numbers while preparing her for a big summer release that we're incredibly excited about. So Climber, Brian, Mullen, and your wife, congratulations. And he says, hey, I'm way behind y'all. But that's the thing, man. We're all on climb. We can't. Best time to start climbing was 20 years ago. When the When's the next best time to start climbing? Today. That's right. So wherever you are on the climb, it's more a matter of direction than it is exactly where you are at the moment. Position. Yeah, it's, it's a matter of direction, not position. Exactly. So last one we'll do today is from Climber Brad Hacker. Says another song is under consideration for a major artist written with Karen Fraden. This is a doable win because I tracked or double win because I tracked the demo. Uh, triple win for demo singers because you will always be needed due to my actual Rose voice. <laughs> so the other win is that he's not going to take any work from demo singers. And he goes, and I'm talking Axel now, not Axel then. <laughs> yeah, oh. So Yikes. Jordan Suter uh, provided the amazing vocals. <laughs> I'm in touch with that emotion. <laughs> That's funny. So I got Axel Rose vocals. No, Axel now. All right. Well, I love that, you guys. So make sure you follow the podcast wherever you consume podcasts so that you get all the episodes. You can cherry pick which ones are the best for you and then tell a friend about it. That's the biggest thing. That is. I mean, you guys spend all this time with us and uh, we work really hard to try to give you valuable information share it get more people in that's what we want we want to keep growing it and doing what we're doing so with that let's get into nashville so i'm moving to nashville tomorrow what do i need to know well the first question is should you move to nashville <laughs> and and the thing is i don't tell anybody to move to nashville and i don't tell anybody to move home that is above my pay grade all right in fact right now it's very uh it's very almost cliche to encourage people not to move to nashville because we're sick of the traffic already <laughs> right, well, there, there's that joke yeah exactly we're busy enough we're full yeah we're full <laughs> that's right but you know there are trade-offs and if you want to be a pro songwriter especially in country ccm gospel i mean even bluegrass i mean sure helps to be where they're i think tim nichols who's I think been on the show before we interviewed him in Denmark. Mm -hmm. He's kind of famous for saying, or he heard the advice. If you want to hunt tigers, you got to be where the tigers are. Mm -hmm. It really does help to be in Nashville for a, a, just so many reasons, but we're going to assume that you decide to move to Nashville. What should you do when you get there? And this is taken from again, that article songwriting in Nashville, 1992 to 2023 by Steve Leslie hit songwriter. and was posted on Indie Music Academy. So shout out to Steve and the Indie Music Academy. All right. He says Nashville is still the songwriting capital of the universe and one of the best creative environments on earth. So if you have your heart set on making it in music city as a songwriter, I would recommend this. And so he just basically gives a bullet point list of what you should do when you move to Nashville. And I thought, Oh, that's fun and easy. Let's just kind of, pop down these and chat about them. All right. Yeah. Number one, move here. Duh. Okay. Right. So move to Nashville. Number two, get a 615 area code phone number. Uh. I remember it was such a good day when I, when I got, I mean, I love Arkansas, but it was a great day when I got my Nashville number. 
because I got that 615. I was like, I have arrived in the 615. Now we'll have this number for the rest of my life. <laughs> I still got my 818, man. I still got my 818, dude, from 20 years ago. That's funny. You know what? I don't need to change it. I'm not going to change it unless I have yeah. to. I think it's interesting. I don't know if that's a little bit of a of an old school thought on that, because for me, I for sure wanted that Nashville number. I, I, I was so excited to get a Nashville address, mm-hmm. you know, P.O. box in Nashville to get that Nashville area code. I don't know if it matters as much now as it did then, because, of course, we all know that Nashville is a city of transplants. Yeah. That everybody comes from somewhere else. So, In fact, you're a, you're a unicorn in Nashville if you were born and raised in Nashville. If you're actually from there. Normally, if I meet someone that's from Nashville, I'm like, you're the third one. Yeah. So, can I touch you? I was like, can I touch you? And they laughed. They're like, yeah, sure. No <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is your poop like rainbow colored with glitter? <laughs> They're even like legacies in the business. So like, oh, Dean Miller or whatever. Uh-huh. So so I don't know if it's as important now. Now, it may just be psychologically for you to go, I'm here, right? I, you know, that oh, that scene, that old movie, Thing About Love. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Thing About Love or Thing Called Love. Mm-hmm. About the bluebird. It kind of made the bluebird famous, had River Phoenix in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Sandra Bullock goes up on the roof, early Sandra Bullock. She's like, I'm here in Nashville and I ain't never leaving. Yeah. So it may be the kind of that moment for you. <laughs> Not that you do that. And it helps people think of you as local. But I think so many people are transplants that like, I don't really bat an eye if I'm working with somebody and they have a out of town number. I don't, I don't really think about it. When did it. he write this article, Steve Leslie? Oh, it's just within the past year. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I think it is a positive thing to have a 615 number. Just it's just one more kind of thing that you're here, you're Nashville, you're I mean it's about it's like I think it's a mental anchor. I think so. That's good. Like a good anchor. Yeah. You know, like the way Jim Carrey wrote a ten million dollar check to himself and carried it around. Taped it to his ceiling. Oh, yeah. Every morning when he woke up, he saw it. Oh wow. So yeah, I think so, because you're like, I already changed my phone number. The belief, yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Can't go back now. I don't want to change it again. Exactly. Yeah. That'd be embarrassing to see that 615 when I moved back home to Mississippi. They're like, well, yeah, that 615 number. Well, crap. (laughs) All right. The other thing is have no plan B. So I think that's important. I was I was doing a hang interview with Tammy Rogers from the Steel Drivers this morning. We had her on the song title challenge Mm -hmm. and we were talking about it. And like, yeah, if you songwriting is really hard, if you can do something else, you probably will. Yeah, I have friends that are doing other things because they had a plan B and that plan B is probably easier than what we're doing here and actually comes with more high rate of return faster. And so if you have no plan B, that certainly helps to go all in and go, this is this is it. This is what I'm doing. Man, I've I'm always been storm the island and burn the ships. You yeah, know what I mean, there is no plan. There's no turning back. Like we're, we're going to win this. Right. Or we're going to die on this hill trying. Right. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, also having no plan B is back to something Tim Nichols said, and this is a really strong corollary to this is he's like, I didn't choose music. Music chose me. Yeah. You just have to do it. I tried to not choose music in my life mm-hmm. and I ended me up right back in Nashville. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> me not doing music. I made a bunch of money and then all of a sudden I had a tracking room in my house that was pretty sweet. And <laughs> I was in two bands, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, like, who am I kidding? I, I was kidding myself. That was me trying to adult and, <laughs> yeah. and, and go to something. After the, mind you, uh, the island was blown up because I was on the hairband island and we did burn the ships and storm the island and then they nuked the island. And so, 
we didn't necessarily lose, but we didn't win either. Right. We just got nuked, you know, like yeah. along with everybody else in the genre. Like we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. Yeah. Yeah. We just ran out of time. That's right. And who knew? Yeah. Who knew that the genre had a time limit? But <laughs> yeah. Lord have mercy. But yeah, that's a man, that's a big thing. And when you have like people in your, I mean, we're a band thing. A lot of Nashville stuff is artist thing. So it's different. But, mm-hmm. you know, I see this with Josh. I mean, the artists we're working with it. There's some people in the band are all in mm-hmm. and some people in the band aren't. And it's just a pain in the ass. Like it's like, yeah, well, I'd like to make that big, huge show that's super important that's going to be game-changing for everybody, but my Nana's birthday is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, dude, what? You know, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Go over and have tea with her the day before and make this show. Your <laughs> Nana would be proud if you moved up, but, you know, it's uh, it's the deal. It's tough, yeah. So, Along with have no plan B is have no time limit. And we talked about this before. I mean, Johnny, like you talk about, oh, I'll write these songs or I'll give it a, a year and see how it goes. It, it just doesn't work that way. No. I remember when I moved to Nashville, the day I was rolling in, I was like, okay. It was, you know, March 3rd, 2002. And it's like, all right, two years from now, I'm just going to head down to work. And two years from now, I'll look up and see where I am. And that was it. And of course, two years later, actually to the day, I got the Alan Jackson hold. <laughs> so I was like, all right, doing all right. Doing Okay. But yeah, the time limit thing is just a killer because they call Nashville a 10 year town, but it's not always. And 10 years toward what? You know, it may just be like getting in professionally, but that doesn't mean having a number one. You just, you have to let all that go and just go, okay, this is it. This is it. This is what I'm doing. You give yourself a time limit. You're probably going to fudge when you get there anyway, or you're going to get out. And so save yourself the time and get out. Yeah. You know what? I, first of all, I love this article. I love everything you say in this already on this part. Like this is really good. Yeah. But you know what else? If you put the time limit on it, then what you're doing is you're focusing on the result mm-hmm. and you're not focusing on process. what's most important about songwriting, which is the craftsmanship. Yeah. And the process, right? Just in the-, the process. And, and that's it. And it's like, it's not, it's process. And that, that is a secret to life. Yeah. I learned that when I was got results focused after I got off the road and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, find out I'm really good at sales, really good at business. And so I go and do that, start to make a bunch of money, mm-hmm. but I was miserable because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And again, like I didn't choose music. It chose me. Yeah. And guess what else I found out? Life is chaos. Yeah. No matter where you're at. Yeah. Just like they blew up the island of hair bands for a short period of time, but over a year, they blew up the island of finance, you know, and yeah. you weren't allowed to do business there. Mm-hmm. And it ruined a lot of people, including me, financially yeah. speaking. I'm just like, this is stupid. Okay, I can get this kind of chaos doing something that I love to do. And if you find something that you're deeply, deeply passionate about it and you commit to the process of it and you're interested in being better every single day, mm-hmm. then I promise you, you're going to make money by accident. Yeah. Well, and songwriting, I'm not sure, so sure if it's by accident, but yes, I know what you mean. It's a result of the process. You trust the process. Yeah. But be focused on the process and be focused on the craftsmanship of it. And then things start to happen. I mean, we were that way when I was in my band, you know, it was just like, I go see better bands than us and mm-hmm. you get your ass handed to you and you're like, Oh my God, I thought we were good. And look yeah. at us now. Okay. Well now we got to step it up because mm-hmm. now I, now I understand more about the process. And so now I want to master that. Well, just like my coffee cup says here, the one that says songwritingpro.com on the other side, it says write, record, access, pitch. Mm-hmm. Y'all have heard me say it a thousand times. Now I got to go on a coffee mug. But anyway, that's the process. It doesn't say get cuts. Yeah. It doesn't say have a number one. Yeah. 
the coffee mug here focuses on what you should focus on. Write, record, access, pitch, and really you could add repeat to the end of that. Yeah. And that's what you do. That's the process. You keep writing, you keep recording, you keep accessing, which means growing your network, getting to the people who can say yes. And then you give them an opportunity to say yes. And you keep doing that. And then cuts, holds, deals, all that stuff comes as a natural consequence of it. If you're good at those four steps, it's a process yeah. and you can't put a time limit on it. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. You'll like this one. Get a job that you can stand, but has no career potential. <laughs> oh steve <laughs> like uber <laughs> yeah yeah like uber waiting tables if you can stand that i couldn't whatever you know i had a job in the business when i first hit town well i had two jobs i, I waited tables at cracker barrel and then i worked in the admin department of blue water music just doing data entry stuff putting in jim lauderdale and kim ritchie's uh, royalty statements into the system so we could get them paid so i was helping pay other songwriters and Talking about a carrot. Talking about a carrot. Oh, season. yeah, for sure. Because you, you can make this kind of living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it got me on the row every day. It got me to a publishing company. It was helping me the access part, helped me understand the business. But it didn't really have career potential, and I did not love it because I was doing data entry on other people's songs. But, yeah, get a job that you can stand but has no career potential. I mean, that was one thing I remember looking for when I got out of grad school at Arkansas State, go Red Wolves, that I was looking for a job that – I was kind of scared. I was like, I don't want to get too good of a job because then it'd be too hard to leave. I ended up working in a call center, which I didn't like. You don't want to get on the pole. It's hard <laughs> to get off the pole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it was not that hard to leave that job because I did not want to be in the corporate jungle the rest of my life. But it paid the bills. And when I got to Nashville, I did stuff that paid the bills. So I think that's smart to yeah get a job you can stand, but it has no career potential. So you won't be too tempted to stay. And when you're too, by the way, when you're too tempted to, st- I mean, here's the th- like if you're doing that, if you have a job that just like has that potential, it's kind of like, you know, don't have a plan B. Yeah. If you have a plan B, then you got to be putting some energy towards that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and if you're putting some energy towards that and some time, probably a little bit of money, right. Mm-hmm. A little resources that precious resources that you have, that's time and precious resources you're taking away from either mm-hmm. one or the other. You yeah. know what I mean? And so basically you're half-assing both of them yeah. to make yourself feel better. And it's, listen, if you have a job with serious potential and you could go and dominate that, but you're half-assing it because you also want to do this other thing over here, mm-hmm. they're not going to be happy about it there either. Maybe you're not right. going to have that job for too long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And you're talking about your precious resources leads into the next point. Keep your overhead as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, in other words, don't get the best house you can afford. Don't get the shiniest car, the newest car that you can afford. No, get the cheapest one that'll do the job. Yep. Why? Because the lower your overhead is, the longer your leash is, the longer your runway is. Yeah. The longer your runway is, you got more runway to take off. More runway. Exactly. So even if you get like a publishing deal, should you get the biggest draw you can or the lowest draw that you can live with? I'd say go with the lowest draw you can live with because that gives them longer to have something happen before they have to cut you loose. Yeah, I heard on a, another podcast, like you don't want to be the person raising their hand when there comes to the end of the deal. And they're like, who we got to cut somebody. You don't want to be the one with the big old draw raising your hand. Right. But for so the housing, I mean, one, my first house that I got, I was roommates with Matt Klein, who's now my brother-in-law. So I had rented a room for my uncle's mother-in-law. Oh, so good seeing him the other day. <laughs> yeah. When I first got to Nashville, I rented a room and then eventually I moved out and became roommates with my buddy, Matt. 
And then with the first house I got with Alan Jackson money, I got a little $10,000 house over in Antioch. Antioch. And it was just like a little two bedroom, solid house that wasn't too far away from downtown. Mm -hmm. And the payments were like, seriously, like, I don't know, five or 600 bucks a month. Yeah. You know, it was like a car payment. Yeah. And of course, I ended up buying a truck, but I paid that off pretty quick. Yeah. The truck was kind of my one fun purchase, but keep your overhead low because, you know, there's going to be, you're lucky if there are hills to go with the valleys. The valleys are guaranteed, right? Yeah. You're lucky if there's some hills. You want to be able to ride that stuff out as long as you can because it's coming. Like I said, you're lucky. You're blessed if you get a hill. And so the lower your overhead is, that leaves money for what? It leaves money for demos, for Anything you might need for equipment, if you're a musician, if you're building your home studio, it means maybe if you do have that job, you don't have to work as many hours if you're doing like an hourly thing. Yep. So you can take a little more time off for, for chasing the music thing. So, and then, yeah. And if you get that hit, keep your overhead low. Yep. The kind of the common wisdom is you get the first hit, try to pretend you didn't. <laughs> Put it back for taxes and a rainy day and try not to change your lifestyle. Yeah. Just go enjoy the better rights you'll be getting. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's like it's like Bono's advice to all artists who just get signed. He's like, okay, look, don't buy the big house in the car until the live album, you know, comes out. Because <laughs> if you make it that far, then you're going to be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have a career, but otherwise you don't, and just rattle all that stuff because mm-hmm. you know then you can walk away with something. Right. All right. Next up, go out every night and hear the competition, and. I'll combine this one. Sign up to play writer's rounds. And if you don't play and sing well enough, go out anyway. Involve yourself in the songwriting community. Yes. So go out. And that's a tricky thing because I remember when I moved to town, it was the question was, do I get a night job so I can be free to write during the day? But yet I don't know any pros who write during the day. Like they're not writing with me. So, mm-hmm. okay. Or I can go out at night and that's where I'm going to meet the people to write with, but I won't be able to write during the day with the pros. So pros and cons, right? And trying to figure yeah. that out, I ended up having two part-time jobs and worked a little bit of both. But yeah, you want to go out, you want to meet people, you want to hear what the competition is doing because Nashville will kick your butt that way. 
you will go out and my gosh, you'll in the first week you got to the Bluebird listening room, whatever some of these different venues, Live Oak, and you'll be at the local yeah, freak show. You go to the freak show and you'll be like, All right, I'm moving home. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad I haven't got my Nashville number yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, first night. Holy crap. <laughs> but at the same time, so I was listening to this podcast with Luke Laird. I don't remember what podcast it was. It might have been the Songwriter Soup, which is a good podcast, but I think it was with Luke Laird. And he was talking about when he first came to Nashville, like visiting like with family and stuff. And and they went out and they saw around. It might have been Bluebird or somewhere, but you know, he saw around and and like later that night or, or the next day they were gonna go out to Opryland or something. They were gonna go out and do the tourist thing. And he's like, No, I'm staying in, I'm writing songs. <laughs> like he just stayed in the hotel room where bad songs all day yeah. because he was that inspired. So it's a double-edged sword of going out and hearing the competition will make you want to quit and make you feel like, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen. But it will also, if you're the person that's going to make it, it's going to inspire you to say, I want this. I can't wait to go write a song. I want to write something that's as good as that person to sing on stage that is amazing and hasn't gotten cut yet. <laughs> I want to write that. Dude, so like when I, okay, that, that's what got me to move to Nashville. So the Allman Brothers brought my band from Wisconsin out of Florida. And so we just had just a boatload of access to those guys. And, you know, yeah, you talk about walking in the wrong room thinking you're all that in a bag of chips and you hear Warren Haynes play. And you're like, oh, God, what the, who did we fool? You know what I mean? Like, who, what is, these people are on drugs. Seriously, they think we're good? Yeah. Like, listen to that. We suck compared to them. But they would always talk about Nashville. Warren is one of the three writers on Two of a Kind working on a full house, which is a oh. huge Garth Brooks hit. Yeah, that's great. One. I'm pretty sure he's made more off of that than he's ever made with the Allman Brothers. Just a third of that song was crazy. Yeah. But they're always talking about Nashville, so it always had a sort of a mystique, you know, for me. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly halfway between Sarasota, Florida and Delavan, Wisconsin. Your hometown. Twelve. Yeah. It's a 24-hour drive. It's a 12 hours in Nashville. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to stop off here. And I, because everything had blown up, we were finished out our tour. And obviously the hair thing was over. I'm going home to regroup now, you know, and, and figure out what my next step was going to be. And I stopped off in Nashville on the way. I stayed at what is, used to be a Motel 6 right off of Harding Place in the 24, mm -hmm. right by the Hooters there. Hmm. And I picked up a local rag. And I mean, how many open mic nights or writer's nights are there in town on any given night? Yeah, I pointed to one. I knew nobody in town. I knew nothing. And I went to what was the Courtyard Cafe. You remember that place? In, yeah. It's down by the mall off of Bell Road. I can't remember what it was. Oh, wow. The mall is called, but it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like a dead mall now, but yeah, it's in like a little strip mall that's right by the big. Was that Hickory Hollow? Yeah, yeah, right by Hickory Hollow Mall. That's it. Yeah. And so it's like, a, you know, like a dumpy little strip mall. It's So it's not this big, fancy, glitzy yeah. place. I walked in there to grab a cocktail. Now, once again, this is 1994. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I am just out of a hair band. Right. And that's all I listened to. I didn't listen to country at all. My parents did. So I heard someone said, but I remember walking in on a Monday night in this dump dive bar, mm -hmm. getting a cocktail and there's three guys up on stage. I had no idea who the hell they were, but I knew every 
one of those songs and I didn't listen to country. Yeah. Let that sink in. You know, I was like, oh, this is a Monday night in Nashville. Yeah. Like one of them was real bubbly, <laughs> friends in low places, you know? Yeah. And the other guy, I can't remember his name, but he did like a bunch of Eddie Rabbit hits. And my parents were big fans of Eddie Rabbit's. And I was just like, and that was inspiring. I was like, I could, okay, I'm moving here. I could not get home, get some money and, and get back and, and get back into it is, is fast enough, you know? So it was so yeah. inspiring. Yeah. And, and for me, that's how kind of, I started making friends in the music business. I knew some people from Little Rock. So I, I met Aaron Enderland through some Little Rock connections before I moved to Nashville. And I remember even before I moved, I was, I'd go there like on spring break or whatever. And, and Aaron was playing and, and who was sitting next to her in the round? Anthony Oreo mm. in one of those rounds. No and that's way. how I met Anthony before I even moved to town. So many, many good things in my life have come from writing <laughs> a song with Aaron Enderland. And so Anthony and I got to be friends and started writing together. And then I'd go to his rounds, like after I moved to town and who was sitting next to him? Oh, Jason Howard. Let's go ride with Jason Howard a little bit yeah. or I wasn't going out and playing myself. So Steve's point, even if you don't play and sing well enough, go out anyway, involve yourself in the songwriting community. That's what I was doing. I'd go out to where I knew somebody in the round. So an Aaron or Anthony or these people I started to getting to know. And I think at the time I had a cassette tape in my pocket, you know, with the lyrics rubber banded and my contact information rubber banded to the cassette tape because that's how NSA told me to do it. And I'd listen if I dug who was else was in there. I'd like, hey, I'm Brent, I write with Anthony, you know, who's right next to you on the, in the round. And maybe the three of us would talk or whatever. Hey, I dig what you do. Here's some of my stuff. We should write sometime. Here's my number, my Nashville number and that sort of thing. <sighs> and that's how I started meeting people. And, and then of course I got the gig at Blue Water, which helped me get to the row every day, a job with no career potential, really, at least not for me. That got me the row every day and meeting other people. And so just going out and seeing that stuff. And it still works that way. I was at the freak show on, on Wednesday night last week yeah. you know we were there and and so sure enough kylie fry was there who you've worked with before at daredevil and i wrote with mm-hmm. like last month i guess and so she was playing so i got a how do you who was in that room when you wrote with her do what was that blue who, who else was in the room last time you wrote with kylie neil cody neil got me in the room with her gotcha. we wrote over at carnival and she's great she's doing well in texas yep and, and she's a sweetheart and i dig what she does i'm a fan and so i was like oh there we go She's out. I'm out. We get to say howdy to her again, chat for a little bit. And it's just that little FaceTime, a little bit of FaceTime, compliment her on her round that she did, all that good stuff. I got to go see Joe Haydell, who writes for Wide Open. He was in the round with her. Mm-hmm. And so I was writing with him actually the next day. So we'd never met before. So I was like, hey, Joe, we're writing tomorrow. He's like, cool. You were writing with him and Aaron Goodman. And got to chat with him a little bit, vibe, see what he does. And the next day we're writing a song together. Yeah. It was already on the books, but it, it just that. So we're a little more comfortable when he walks in because, oh, we were both at the freak show last night. Right. So that kind of stuff builds and you don't know where it's going to go. A lot of times it's dead ends. A lot of times it doesn't do anything, but you don't know when you're going to hit the lottery kind of thing. Yep. So, That's right. And Steve says, when you're out, go listen for the next Carrie Underwood or Morgan Wallen. So you're definitely talent scouting. Yeah. Because there's so much about writing with the artist. That if you can find somebody that is that person and you can get in early enough and make a connection and hopefully you vibe well, then man, that's, that can be gravy train. That can be life changing. Yeah. For like generationally life changing. Cause you're in early. Yeah. Cause you're in early. And, and so, you know, what else you're finding is like, we've described it like this on the podcast before, but people in your class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? There's like a senior class and they're graduating and they're, they're awesome. And then there's like the freshman class, which are promising and they're up and comers, but they still got more time ahead of them yeah. before they get to be seniors. And so there are so many, when you meet people that are in your freshman class, which is the class you're in the day mm-hmm. you arrive in Nashville. Yeah. And then you're going to grow up with those people. When you find that artist that's right there too, mm-hmm. there you go. Well, just think about it. how many like freshman guys got to date senior girls. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah. Not many, right? Not many. It's like, I'm sorry, you're a freshman. Go date freshman girls. (laughs) You know? Yeah. That sort of thing. It's it's a little bit like that. You can't expect to go right with the seniors who are the people having hits and pro riders and that kind of stuff. It's just, hey, it's great if it happens if you just somehow land that. But really, and that's a point that Steve says, you got ahead of him here, is come up with your own class. Yeah. I mean, that's that was my story with Aaron again. So it's fun to kind of reminisce all these old stories, but She'd never had a cut. I'd never had a cut. We wrote, she was going to MTSU. I was still living in Little Rock when we wrote Monday Morning Church. And it was through her connections that it got to Alan Jackson and, and he cut it. So it was both of our first cuts. Now, if I'd said, oh, I'm not going to ride with this Aaron girl because she doesn't, you know, she's in college. I'm, I was already out of grad school. So she's younger yeah. and she hadn't had any cuts and whatever. Then our, both of our lives may be quite different. Now, to me, it did feel like riding up because one, Aaron's really talented. Two, she was in Nashville or Murfreesboro, you know, and she was making connections and she was writing good stuff. So to me, it did feel like actually riding up because it felt like riding with somebody that was around, but still similar class. Neither of us had cuts and publishing deals or any of that stuff yet. So, but also, but riding up because you know what? She was clearly focused on writing. Yeah. And she was doing it, you know. So she's at that point, she's a little bit more established than you were, even though oh, she wasn't. Sure established you know what i mean definitely more established i mean she went to college in middle tennessee at least and she knew some people so she was ahead of the journey even though she was younger i was still living out of town so that's an important thing come up with your own class because they're more accessible if you can build something that can last long term hopefully it's one or two people start to pop off from that class and it raises the profile of the whole crew you come up together and then good things can happen for everybody now you you want to be careful about who you let into your class, right? Mm-hmm. Because, well, like you said about Aaron, she was, took it seriously. She was working. She was that sort of thing. Other people are goofballs or self-destructive or self-sabotaging or whatever, and they're not really going to make it. And you want to be careful about who you spend your time with. Like, is this person really serious? Is this person really good? Do we get along really well? Like, do we mesh? Yeah. Is this good for a long-term thing? One of the things I look at now when either looking at baby artists or even more established artists to really invest in is, is there a long-term relationship here? Mm-hmm. Now, there are going to be certain type of artists and writers that I just vibe well with. And we, I hey, I could go on the road with that person. We'd have a good time, but not too much of a good time. Right. And then there are other writers who are like, oh my gosh, no, I'm not going on the road with Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do, don't bring your girlfriend. <laughs> and, or my wife. Right. So like, no, that's, I don't see the long-term win there. Even if like I get in the room with the country version of Vince Neil or whatever, write a great song. Yeah. That's cool. But really for my lifestyle, who I am as a person, is that a good fit that's going to really work long-term? It's like, no, there's a, there's, there's a ceiling there because I'm really not probably going to go on the road with a mulatter. There's going to be just a level of like incompatibility there, just difference in lifestyles and values and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's something to think about too, when you're looking at your class going, who do I think I can have good long run with? Yeah. And it's not just about like, would we be basically, would you be friends anyway? Yeah. 
yeah. if you weren't in this business relationship, would you be friends anyway? Now, a guy like Anthony Oreo, it's funny. It's, now we're we're much more similar these days than we were back when we met. Oh yeah, he was definitely the Johnny D of the relationship. Yeah, <laughs> the wild card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we still hit it off, and we were good buddies, and we've remained friends, even though we don't write together nearly as much these days. Uh-huh. So there's much more of a runway there, or whatever. It's a good road ahead, just because. Well, we were just friends anyway, and those are the people you really want to work with. All right. So another thing is familiarize yourself with who's on the radio singing which songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should be self-evident, but in case it's not, your chances of going of getting on the radio really go down if you don't even listen to the radio or don't like what's on the radio, mm-hmm. but yet you want to be on the radio. Yep. Mm, you might want to rethink that. You need to look for the good. As, as I like to say, don't hate, investigate. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not digging some of the artists, some of the songs that are on the radio, if you want to be a professional, it helps you to look at those songs and those artists and think, investigate, why are they working? Something's working. They're on the radio. You're not. Their songs are on the radio. Your songs aren't. Why? Why is that? What is this that fans are reacting to? Go to a show of an artist you don't like or YouTube it or something. Go and look at how the fans are reacting. Go, okay, I don't get it, but I want to understand it at least. I don't have to love it, Mm -hmm. but I need to understand it as a professional. Like, if you want this to be your business, treat it like a business. Yep. I can guarantee you that other people in the NFL are studying what Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and whoever's having success or what offensive coordinators that are killing it in the NFL. Other people, even if they go, I can't stand that guy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? On a personal level, I can't stand that offensive coordinator. But they're putting up 35 points a game. I'm going to study and see what I can learn from it. Yeah. Why? Because it's a business. Yep. You can hate him all you want, his personality, right? You yeah. know, maybe maybe he's a douchebag, but you can study his moves mm-hmm. and you don't have you can take the douchebag equation out of it, but whatever else he's doing to create success is working in spite of his douchebaggery. <laughs> right. See what you can apply to your business. Yeah. Another thing is that Steve Leslie says here is if you don't already know, learn the history of country music. So he says the Ken Burns documentary, country music is a good place to start. Nothing impresses more than a knowledge and respect for an industry that you are hoping to become part of. And that's just smart. Yeah. I mean, know what's current, know the history, know where you came from. It'll give you a better understanding, a better appreciation, a better sense of the trajectory of where we're going. And also and where we've been, where we've been. I mean, it gives you perspective, you know, like I remember being shocked the first time I heard that. I mean, we, we would all, everybody on this podcast listening to this podcast right now would agree 1000 percent that johnny cash is one of the icons of country music yes and you may be shocked to know that when johnny cash first came out the country music fans and people in the industry were like he's not country right yeah (laughs) and you're like wait what right but you know what I mean? I mean, it, it changes, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people felt that way about Florida Georgia Line when they came out, you know? Oh, for sure. And so stuff changes and, and keeps going. So, but that gives you perspective. Like, it does keep going. You don't have to hold mm-hmm. on to that old, you know, you can move forward too and know that the train is on the tracks, whether you're on the train or not. I mean, one of the things that helped me land that deal at Blue Water Music, not a publishing deal, but just a part time job doing data entry, was. I knew a lot about their company mm. or the writers and their talent mm-hmm. because I was already just legitimately and honestly a Kim Ritchie fan, a Jim Lauderdale fan, a Chris Knight fan mm-hmm. who were some of the in artists that were signed there and were also writers there and getting cuts. So when I walked in there with 
Pete Roselli, I was doing the interview with him. I could speak intelligently about their catalog. Yeah. You know, a decent bit of it enough that he was surprised. Yeah. Like, you know who all these people are? I'm like, dude, I'm a fan. Yeah. These are great. I love this cut, that cut, da, 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 da. And so that helped make an impression that helped me land that gig, even though I didn't have experience in that particular database system. I didn't have that, but he's like, Oh, you know, he already seems to kind of know the catalog and likes these people. So that seems like a good fit. Mm -hmm. And that was more recent stuff. But even if you're talking to, I mean, a lot of us like to geek out on music and music history and natural history. And if you get blessed to be right to, if you get blessed to be right, anyway, me do words. Good. <laughs> if you're blessed to write with a senior writer, someone in the senior class who's been there a while and done it, what if they start talking about some of their contemporaries or artists and you have no idea who they're talking about? Yep. It's, there's an opportunity missed at the best mm -hmm. to bond with them, to relate to them, and to geek out with them on stuff that they love. Mm -hmm. It's like if I get in a room and people start talking about NASCAR, I don't have a lot to add. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, Mark Martin's from my hometown. All right. That's about it. Yeah, they sure turn left, step on the gas, turn left, step on the gas. All right. Yeah, that's that's about all I got. And so there's only so much that we can relate to. And same thing with country music history, that it's an opportunity that we're all into this stuff. If you can know that stuff, you just seem more legit. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this person really is ate up with it. Their foundation goes further than like two inches in the ground. Yeah. Man, I like some of that old country, you know, like early Florida Georgia line. Yeah. <laughs> And it shows your list. It shows you you have uh, just a fascination with it, which I think is is a requirement for success. Yeah. You just have to be fascinated. Yeah, I just was always just so fascinated with rock bands when I was a kid. You know, it's like, <gasps> oh my god, tour buses! This is so cool. There's a tour bus right there. Like, ah, uh, and just was. I don't even know why it got me excited, but it got me excited. Oh well, the other night at at the freak show when we were there, and I was sitting at a little different table. I got there after y'all. And then I see this dude, like this old cat, you know, in this suit kind of thing. And he was over my shoulder. I heard that him, he came up to you and the person sitting next to you. And I heard him say, Larry Weiss. And my ear, my eyes got big. I was like doing my mental Rolodex. But wait, where do I know that name? Where yeah. Freaking rhinestone cowboy. Dude, I know. Presence of greatness. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't hear your conversation with him or whatever. It just seemed like a brief interaction. But as soon as like he got up and left, I cartwheeled over there. I was like, Johnny. Larry Weiss, Rice oh Cowboy. And you're like, I already know. I already know. <laughs> That's so cool. Dude. Yeah. And he came in looking looking like he wrote Rhinestone Cowboy, man. Yeah, he just smooth as silk, baby. Yeah, that guy was Glenn Campbell money still. Uh-huh. Dang. But hey, you might miss that opportunity to either go over and say hi, have a conversation, not like he's gonna change your life, but at least you're not giving him a blank stare. Uh who yeah. Learn something. Uh, I'm sorry, what'd you do lately? Or, or blow off some old cat. And then you're like, oh, that's Bobby Braddock. He wrote, he stopped loving her today and tons of other stuff. Yeah. Oh, I look like an idiot. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know? yeah. So you, you want to be a student of the business, student of the game. All right, last two points. Write, write, write. Improve your songwriting skills. Johnny, you alluded to this earlier. Be a student of the craft. Mm -hmm. You got to love the craft. You got to write your butt off. Ultimately, it's a quality game, but what opens the door to quality in the beginning is a lot of quantity. Yeah. You've got to get the reps in. Yeah. Get that muscle memory to get a lot of the... We all hit obstacles and roadblocks when we write. There are certain, oh, second verse, what do I do here? Or some sort of things. 
But the more you do it, the more you start building your your Rolodex, your catalog in your brain, your toolbox of this is how I overcome this problem or this is how I avoid that problem altogether. Mm -hmm. Because you just do it so many times, so many times, so many times that then you don't have to think about it so much. So then you can focus on ideas and melody and you focus on being awesome. Yeah. Than just not sucking. Yeah. It takes a lot of work in the beginning. Or just not trying to complete it, right? Yeah. Like I remember, I remember um, there's so many, when I would do amateur song demos and stuff, it's just uh, clearly they wrote to, you know, this second verse works, that's fine. Oh, let's just move on. Yeah. And it's like, oh man. And then back to Anthony Oreo. I remember Anthony Oreo writing with an artist of mine years ago, man, like maybe 2012 hmm. or 2011. And they were in the lounge of the studio and I kind of just poked my head in to see what was going on. And, and I just see him look up and talk to the artist. He's like, man, that's awesome. He goes, now we've got a real problem. And she was like, what's that? He's like, oh, we got to make this second verse as cool as the first verse. You know what I mean? And, was, and I was just like, that warmed my heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. To hear that. I was like, yes, you do. That's yes. exactly the, the right is. approach. Yep. That's it. And if you don't love writing and can't make time for writing, you're in the wrong business. Yep. Like if you don't love that. Do you want to write? great songs or do you want to have written great songs some people just want to have written yeah. other people want to actually enjoy the process of doing it yeah and you got to write and the other thing is you got to co-write 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 and that is probably its own episode we may have already done it i don't know we got so many behind us at this point but there are many reasons for co-writing you'd learn iron sharpens iron there's the relationship part of it so you get to know more people it helps you get into the community and get talked about because when they play your song out, you may not even be there, but they might say, I wrote this with Brent Baxter and Johnny Dwinnell, whatever. And so there's the political part of it, the learning like, oh, well, I was writing with Chelsea Stallings the other day. Mm -hmm. And one of her new friends, uh, Zach Runyon, and he's definitely a guitar guy, you know. And, and one thing she told me that, hey, when we, every time I write with him, I learn like new chords and new things on guitar. And so she's up in her game, that level, mm -hmm. in that area. Through co-writing. Sure. It's not guitar lessons. She's a more seasoned writer than he is. He's a more seasoned guitar player than she is. And and so they're both learning from each other. So that's another reason. There's so many reasons to co-write, but that's a big part of it. If you want to be professional, you really need to co-write. Yep. All right. Well, even, even, you know, hold on. I, even if you're a self-contained artist that writes and sings all your own stuff. Yeah. Like I think that sometimes there's a fallacy with people earlier in their journey. Like if you write something with somebody else, like you have to sing it, mm -hmm. you know, or you have to, you have to be attached to that in a way that's more than just a writer. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. You know, I mean, when did Jamie Johnson wrote honk and honk, but honk and honk, that's nowhere near his brand. No, no, it's not. But his bank account's happy about that. Yes, it is. Yeah. I don't think you'll ever hear him sing it, but mm -hmm which is a campy, cheesy song, but I'm sure they were just screwing around. Mm -hmm. And and then it just turned out to be, I know they were screwing around. And I know right. that the people that, that plugged that song were screwing around when they pitched it. Right. It was a joke. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, no, we like it. And they're like, oh no, they were just trying to make them laugh. <laughs> and because it was like this little novelty thing, but no, they're like, no, no, that'll work. And so I think I always say to the artists, because I've worked with a bunch of artists who are just totally like self-contained golden voice kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they're afraid to co-write because they don't want to change their brand mm -hmm. or, you know, they're worried about, I'm like, you know what? You don't have to use any of the stuff that you write, but what do you think you're going to pick up from somebody who spends, who makes a living writing all day? Mm -hmm. If you just sit in a room with them for three hours and write, you're going to pick up some 
Mm-hmm. Cool tools, some cool you perspectives, are. some cool tricks. If nothing else, you, you get the you gotta learn from them. What could you learn? And and just you get the bar raised. Just from that angle, just from the fascination of like, what don't I know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna learn something in this room. This is gonna be exciting, you know. And it might be something to do, and it might be something that you'll never do, right. you know. <laughs> but you're gonna learn something. <laughs> That's right. And hey. As we're wrapping this one up, if you want to hear from someone who recently moved to Music City, like about four years ago now, which is crazy, and is moved to Music City and is climbing, check out my Hang interview. So I do a series at songwritingpro.com called The Hang. This one's with our friend Chelsea Stallings to bring her name up again. So I interviewed her for about an hour. Oh, good. It's in the Songwriting Pro member area. If you're a member, it's free. But we talked about, because she and I were just having, we were writing with Kaylee Bishop. And after that write was over, she and I were just catching up and chatting. And she was talking about, how different it was living here versus attacking it from Salt Lake City, Utah, where she's from. Mm-hmm. I was like, we got to record this. Like, this is so valuable because it's been so long since I moved. Like, you're more recent. Let's talk about this and record it. So we did. It's in the Songwriting Pro member area in The Hang. If you're a member, go log in. You can watch it. It'd be a really great compatible thing for this episode. If you're not a member, you well, why not? What's wrong? We have a 14-day free trial going on right now. You can get details at songwritingpro.com. And so you get great interviews and a lot of helpful content, stuff you can't get anywhere else, stuff we don't even talk about on the climb. But I would appreciate y'all if you check it out. So that's songwritingpro.com. There you go. That brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode, guys. Join the climb community on Facebook. Make sure you follow the podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and tell a friend about it. This podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.